And did you know that this podcast is an independent production? That's right. The Eric Norcross podcast is an indie podcast. And because of that, we depend on listeners like you to help support the show. The best way to become a supporter is to become a patron. Patreon is a membership platform that allows creators to develop a more sustainable source of financial support for their projects. My Patreon supports this podcast. If you find this podcast worthwhile, please consider becoming a patron by heading over to the Patreon link in the description. That's patreon.com slash Eric Norcross. Again, patreon.com slash Eric Norcross, and the link will be in the description. Thank you, and on with the show. I think your story could be beneficial to some of my listeners because uh, it's very entrepreneurial and it, it, it's very, uh, it was played, from what I gauge, you played it very safe. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> yeah. Which, which I don't see a lot. And so I, I, I think it's a story worth telling yeah. if, if you're not tired of telling it yet. No, not at all. And I, and I love the fact that like sometimes telling it can inspire people to go after things that they might be too afraid to go after. So I enjoy telling it for that reason. Can you start by introducing yourself and and what your blog is? Sure. Um, I'm Beth Monsell, the founder of BudgetBites.com, and it's a food blog that helps people learn how to cook, the basic cooking skills, and teaches them recipes that are easy, satisfying, and easy on the budget, and just basic overall food budgeting tips and um, ways they can reduce waste, because obviously that helps with your budget as well. So kind of like you know, all the adulting stuff related to food. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you, you started this while you were working as a microbiologist. Is that correct? Actually a little bit before that. So I started this in 2009 and at the time I had just, um, graduated with my degree in dietetics. I originally wanted to be a dietitian. Um, and after graduation, I changed my mind. I was like, that's not for me. Love the study of it. Did not want to do the practice of it. Um, just wasn't my thing. So I was working, um, at whole foods market, just trying to figure out the next step in life. Like, what do I do now? I have all the student debt, you know, and, um, I don't have a job that can support me. So I, you know, I've always been a very careful and cautious person. So I already had a very strict budget and the only thing left in my budget that I could even change was food. But, you know, I had this, this education in nutrition and I knew that if I just ate really crappy, cheap food all the time in the end, that would end up costing me a lot more. So, um, I started breaking down the cost of everything I was eating, trying to find any little area that I could reduce while still maintaining the quality and satisfaction. Um, and that's how it all started. How long were you were you doing it before you took the blog full-time? Um, I think I went full-time. Well, I mean, it, it depends on whether you consider full-time, like it, it required full-time work or I quit my second full-time job. <laughs> okay. So, 
Yeah, it's always going to take full-time work no matter what. So I guess the yeah. big thing people want to hear is, at what point did you quit your job? At what point did I quit my <laughs> job? Yeah, so I guess I'll back up a little bit more. So I was working at Whole Foods, started this blog for fun. And right after I started the blog, I decided to go back to school again to get the second degree in clinical laboratory science. That only took an extra year and a half. And then I started working as a microbiologist. Um and right when I got into that job, I got the book deal for the blog. And so I was like writing the book and doing the blog. Um, and it was just growing so fast. And let's see, I think it was 2014. Um, I decided to go down to part time as in my lab job. Um, and then in spring of 2015, I was like, I don't need this anymore. It's too much, <laughs> too much on my plate. And I think the blog is stable enough for me to, you know, really rely on that going forward. Cause it's such a new industry too, especially at that time, it, it was kind of like, you don't know what's going to happen from one day to the next, you know, is the income stable? Is it not? Um, even now that it's a little bit more established, there are huge fluctuations throughout the year, you know? January versus July is, is quite a, a difference. So, um, yeah, I had to kind of feel it out and see if it was going to work before I, I threw away this other career that I had just started. <laughs> yeah. Well, what, what did your schedule look like when you were juggling both? Um, so I was working, I would work like 7am to about three in the lab. Um, and then after work, I would, do a lot of the work on the blog, like answering comments, um, writing blog posts, editing photos. And then on my two days off per week is when I would cook the new recipes. And I mean, that's what I was doing anyway, um, just to feed myself, I would cook on my days off and then eat the rest throughout the week. Um, so it was kind of a natural fit, but it did get pretty hectic, um, especially when I was writing the book, because then I had to have recipes for not only the blog to keep that going, but I had to, you know, come up with, I don't know, it was like 80 to 90 new recipes for the book itself. Um, so it got a little crazy there, <laughs> but it made it through. Did, did, were you, so you were kind of building these recipes from scratch every time? Yeah, basically. I mean, every recipe is a version of something else that's already out there. It's like art in general, nothing is new, you know? So it's not like I had to just come up with something, I don't know, totally from scratch. You know, you'd take like a macaroni and cheese recipe and then you'd add a new flavor to it, you know? So it's not like, you know, it's, it's not quite as much as it seems. Yeah, we had the uh, the green chili mac and cheese earlier this week. That's exactly the one I was thinking of when yeah, I yeah. said that. <laughs> that was solid, and yeah. and, and uh, we. I, I'm not kidding. We survived at least a half a decade off the Mediterranean quesadillas. Yeah, that's funny. Uh, they were so so awesome, and um, I'm like, why did we stop making these again? And it's like, <laughs> oh well, we we came into more money. I'm like, oh right, that's what it was all about. <laughs> excuse if you liked it it was so good so i made one again for breakfast so cool (laughs) yeah um so i heard on another podcast you you started this this on blogger Mm -hmm. what year did you say you moved to your own platform on wordpress let's see hard to remember because everything is such a blur. <laughs> um, I think it might have been 2012. Okay. Yeah, I think it was 2012. Mm. Which seems okay. so long ago now, but at the time it, it seemed like I was already very established <laughs> and it was a big deal, but it wasn't. 
I don't know how old some of these podcasts I listen to are. Um, I don't look at the metadata, though I probably should. Um, <laughs> you talk about how like the next big thing that was coming with food blogging is video. And I noticed that you now have video content. Um, and yeah. I was at what point were you, did you implement that? Yeah, video has pretty much been king now since maybe even like 2016, 2017. Um, Yeah, so that's about when I started experimenting with video. Um, I wasn't very good at actually working that video production into my regular schedule until maybe 2018. um, Because it's a lot of extra work and, you know, it's a whole new skill I had to learn. Um, And so I've been doing about one video a week for the past couple of years. And now I'm, I'm starting to outsource some again, I've outsourced it in the, in the past a little bit, but that's always difficult because, um, you know, you don't have control over the food styling or the technique that's used in the video. So I prefer to do it myself, but it's just become, um, unreasonable to add that to my schedule these days. (laughs) So you prefer to, kind of learn a new skill set just so that you can have a little bit more control over your what you're putting out there that's interesting yeah I mean I I guess I am a little bit of a control freak like I don't like to think about it that way but I am you know I I like things to be exactly the way I envision them in my head and so if you try to have someone else do that Um, it's really hard to articulate what you're envisioning for a recipe or a photo or a video, a piece of art basically, and have someone else try to execute it. So I would love to be able to do everything myself. I don't know if that's going to be possible ever. Um, but we are, I am building out a kitchen studio right now, so I can have a team come and produce this content with me. Um, and so that will allow us to make more content, um, and actually, you know, have it be directed by me and have it come out the way I want, which will be cool. That's very cool. Is this going to be like just for like studio work or is it going to be a part of your, your kitchen, your, your function? Oh yeah, no, kitchen? it's completely separate. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I actually started using a separate space, um, two years ago. Um, just because all the equipment, the photography equipment and all the props and everything was just too much to have in my home. Um, so I have a small like residential unit that, um, I use for all of my work basically. Have you kept track of how, how, how many new skills you've had to learn simply by going and becoming an entrepreneur? Like, like, had you stayed in, in the comfy job? (laughs) <laughs> how much would you job. have not not gained in terms of knowledge oh god I think it's too many to count I mean in this industry the online you know digital media it's changing so fast so it's it's like every few weeks there's something new to learn like every time a social media platform decides it wants to change course or promote a different type of content you have to learn how to make that type of content you know so not only has video been king for the past five years at least but now it's a new type of video where it's more like tiktok tiktok style video so you have to learn how to do that which is totally different than the you know full-blown edited videos so there's always something new and i really do enjoy that aspect of the job it keeps you on your toes um, because before this the longest i had ever had a job was like three years because i just get bored you know and i want to move on and learn something else so um and i've been doing this almost 13 now (laughs) so it's pretty cool I find that's 
a, that's common with a lot of entrepreneurs and creative people is uh, they tend to get bored quickly at which point another business comes up. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think it's pretty cool that you've been doing it this long. Uh, and I, I think it helps that too, that you're forecasting. It seems to me from where I sit, you're, you're able to forecast what the next thing is and start working towards it. So you see video is going to be a thing you start working towards. it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you kind of have to, you know, but it helps, um, you know, I'm in a lot of Facebook groups for other food content creators, food bloggers, and, um, I think that really helps you see where things are going because people share ideas all the time and their experiences on different platforms and with different media types. So it's a lot easier to kind of collect that data from everybody else, not just yourself and kind of see where things are going, you know. Have you ever, have you ever correlated um, what recipes do better based on just how much all the ingredients cost altogether. So is is there like, is there a common medium in terms of like what people are looking for or are they maybe not going through your recipes based on budget at all? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, you know, surprisingly, I think most people don't search by the price. It's not very easy to search by price on the website for <laughs> to begin with. So it's probably part of the reason why they're not searching by price. But um, I think the other reason is because prices are so different everywhere. So the prices that I have on the website are not like this recipe is going to cost you this much. It's more like that's how much it costs me. And you can take a look at the different ingredients in the recipe and see how each one affected the total price. So no matter what the prices are like in your area, you'll know, hey, this is the most expensive ingredient. That's the one that I should cut back on a little bit if I need to reduce the price of the the recipe. Hmm. Yeah, the green chilies were hard to find, but they were nice and cheap. Oh, nice. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. They were in the international section. If anyone wants to do that, I'm going to put a link to all the the recipes that we use in the description, which is going to be huge. Uh, Yeah, there were a lot that I was personally making for us. I... I don't remember when we started making some of these. And so I had forgotten where they came from. And I'm like, well, the (laughs) chili garlic tofu bowls, which basically I make from memory at this point, came from Budget Bites. Uh, (laughs) It's, yeah, it's a staple. Uh, And uh, yeah, so I'm interested a lot in data and how data is used. But one of the interesting things is, is, you seem like you have an active community yeah. to a certain extent. Uh, and I was wondering uh, what sort of feedback you've gotten that has, that you've used to kind of maybe change, change the way you operate a little bit, or maybe the way you, you approach recipes. Mm-hmm. Uh, has there any, has there been any feedback that sticks with you? Yeah. And feedback is a huge part of what I do. So I'm unlike a a lot of other bloggers who are probably at my size, I still read and answer all the comments on the blog every day and across all the social platforms, because I feel like that's really important for staying connected with the audience and understanding what they need and what they want in content. Um, And it lets me know, like, you know, what techniques are people having trouble with, you know, what could I explain better in a recipe? Um, but yeah, I think it definitely, especially early on, it changed the course of the blog because in the early days I was way more about DIY type recipes, like doing things long form, like making my own bread, doing this from scratch, doing that from scratch. Um, even if it took a long time, um, 
because that's kind of something I enjoyed at that point in my life. Um, but now I, I think I'm in the same boat as a lot of our readers where we're just too busy to do all of that. So the recipes are a lot more balanced as far as um, how much time and effort they take and how much they cost to make. So yeah, something might be way cheaper if you make it yourself, but if it takes you half a day to make it, that's really not going to save you a lot because it's costing a lot of time and time is money. So I shifted a lot more towards the quick and easy weeknight type recipes um, a few years in probably. Who would you you say your biggest audience is? What's the most common demographic? That's so tough um, because I feel like I have people all over. Like I get messages from, you know, everyone from millennials to senior citizens, people all over the world who are like, I love your recipes because I can actually find the ingredients in Japan or wherever I am. Um, But when you actually look at the data, (laughs) it's women 25 to 35 or something like that. (laughs) Do you think that having a background in science has something to do with your success? I think so, probably because um, I look at everything really like through an analytical lens. Um, and I think it helps me break down the process of cooking into a, a way that people can understand it better. Um, yeah, so I feel like a lot of times my writing ends up being more like technical writing like you find in a textbook (laughs) rather than like, you know, I've never been into the whole storytelling blog thing. Like even in the early days when most bloggers were telling stories with their recipes, I was like, "Mm, (laughs) you know, let me just tell you what you need to know. Um, And yeah, I think that people appreciated that. And then it, it helped people really understand the process of cooking because I mean, you can learn to cook, but if you don't understand why the things are happening in your skillet as they're happening, you just, you don't, you're not really understanding. You're just learning, um, you know, a process, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. And the whole story thing too also makes sense because, um, time and time again, I'll get, I'll get, uh, not one of your blogs, but I'll get some other blog where it's like three pages of backstory of where the recipe came from. And I'm just Mm -hmm. like, give me the list of stuff that I need to go (laughs) get at the grocery store already (laughs) yeah yeah I mean I don't I don't blame them for doing that because it's like it's their personal blog you know so like I feel like people complain a lot about people doing that but it's like that's like reading someone's diary and then complaining that you read their diary like you know (laughs) that's not the type of content you want don't go to their website (laughs) you know don't complain to them that they're telling their story on their website but yeah no that's never been my style um also because I'm a really private person and I don't feel like sharing my life with (laughs) the general public not interested (laughs) what does your work work schedule look like now like what does a full-time blogger how 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 does that take up your time uh, on a weekly basis well it takes up all of my time (laughs) I guess I could say that I work seven days a week um and it, it varies a lot from day to day because uh, as a blogger, you wear a lot of different hats. So you're creating content, you're running a business, um, you're managing a website, you know, and a lot of us try to outsource as much as you can, but you still have to have a basic understanding of all those different areas um, and be able to monitor them to make sure things are being taken care of. So Um, these days I will spend maybe two to three days in the kitchen where I'm testing recipes and photographing things like that. 
Um, and then part of that day, I will also be taking care of things like um, uh, answering comments, maybe writing the blog posts, editing the photographs, um, making sure all the other content that we have scheduled for like social media or things like that are going out on time. Um, so I do have uh, some other people on the team right now. I have uh, Kelly who takes care of our community. So we have a private Facebook group for our meal plan customers. And then she does all the customer service inbox things. And then she helps me out with like basically any other task that I don't have time for. Um, and then we just onboarded a new social media uh, manager who takes care of scheduling all of our social media content across all the platforms, because that alone is a full-time job. Um, and once we get the studio open, she'll be helping create some of the um, content for social media too, like reels and um, stories and things like that. Um, but yeah, it's a lot. I mean, it's all over the place. <laughs> so, and yeah, the rest of the week that I'm not in the kitchen, it's just taking care of all those other tasks, writing the blog posts, editing the photos, editing the videos, um, you know, and just making sure everything stays on schedule and gets um, posted on time. Would you, would you say you are running a, a full-blown media production company at this point? Yeah, that's, that's what I tell people now when they say, what do you do for a living? Like, I don't like saying food blogger. I never have because it just sounds like an online diary. And it is so much more than that. We create digital media of all kinds. And we create it not only for our platform, but for other platforms as well. We create it for brands. Um, yeah, so it's, it's a digital media company for sure. When you were initially, gonna, when you were initially leaving your, your, safe, your safe job uh, to do this, <laughs> Uh, what, what, what was some of the feedback you got from some of your colleagues and family? Um, they all thought it was cool and were very supportive. Um, they, everyone that I know, you know, personally just loves the blog and thinks it's so great, which is awesome. I'm really thankful that I've never had any negative pushback um, because I think I would have very easily been discouraged if to someone told me, that's never going to work because that's the type of thing I used to tell myself all the time. And my favorite part about my story is that this blog is the first time I told myself that, you know, just try it and see what happens instead of telling myself, no, that's not going to work before even trying. And that one change of mindset changed my entire life. So I really encourage people to don't tell yourself no before you even try, you know, always at least give something a try. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, I always, I always like to ask about uh, family and friends' responses to these sorts of things uh, because it, it, it's really important for uh, the people around someone to support what they want to do. Yeah, for sure. You designed the recipe for the Mediterranean quesadilla. What does that process actually look like? Like, how are how are you starting this, and how at what point are you able to do it from memory? <laughs> yeah, well, it really is uh, like a creative muscle that grows the more you do it. Um, and it gets easier as time goes on for sure. Um, so I remember early on, uh, at some point, uh, some magazine, I don't remember which one it was now, maybe like cooking light or something. They wanted me, they wanted me to come up with like 10 to 20 recipe ideas in a week to feature in their magazine. And at first I was like, oh, that's impossible. And then I just sat down with paper and pen and I started, you know, writing things out. And after just doing that one exercise, <laughs> creating recipes for the blog after that was like a breeze. It was just like, it's something you learn to do. So the process for me 
starts usually with the type of recipe. Like for this one, it'd be like quesadilla. I know I love quesadillas. They're always good. And you can put anything into them, kind of like pizza. You can put anything on a pizza. So at that point, you already know what makes up a basic quesadilla. You've got a tortilla, you've got cheese. What else can you put in there with it? So you start thinking of other flavor combinations that you like in other foods. And then you're like, can I put that into a quesadilla? Yes, I can. <laughs> so it's all about combining um, flavor combinations with cooking techniques and just mixing and matching all of those things. Do you think that chefs should have a nutrition background? No, I don't think it's necessarily important. No, I mean, I think it can be helpful, but um, yeah, I don't think it's important because I don't think nutrition, even with my background, I don't think nutrition should always be the main focus of the food you eat. Food plays many roles in our lives, whether it be um, fellowship, love, um, community, artistic expression, um, physical satisfaction. It, it has so many different things that it, it can add to our life. And nutrition is just one of those. All right. I have one more question and then we can do some housekeeping. Okay. All right. It takes me 45 minutes to an hour to properly caramelize an onion. Is that normal? Yes. Okay. <laughs> there are a lot of shortcuts out there that you'll see online. And honestly, I don't think any of them produce nearly as good of a result as doing it the long way, 45 minutes to an hour, just do it and you'll be rewarded with the best tasting caramelized onions. And there it is. I've been validated. <laughs> I was going to put all these recipes in the description. There's one, two, three, four, There's 12 recipes. <laughs> um, I don't know if you want to know what they are or if you'll read them, but are those um, all from your word doc? Cause I wonder yeah. if they're still all on the website. I don't know if the Mediterranean um, well, is. if see. they aren't, I, I, I will make a notation of it, but we copy and pasted it. So we still have the actual recipe, uh, yeah. blueberry, lemon, curd, shorties that came yeah. from you too. Wow. Uh, yeah. Apple, oh, yeah. Dijon, kale salad, which everybody oh, asks us to do every holiday. Get that together. one's my favorite. Yeah, yeah, we always bring that. Vegan creamy mushroom ramen. Mm -hmm. Vegetarian French dip sandwiches. Oh, I used to be obsessed with those. Yeah, I want to rephotograph that one soon. Um, I had it on my list the last month or so, but I couldn't get portobello mushrooms anywhere. But it's such a good recipe, and those photos do not do it justice. So I'm going to republish that, and it's hopefully going to do really well. Yeah, get some good baguettes for that. Um, yeah. Quick curry chickpeas with spinach. Mm -hmm. Spicy dragon noodles. Mm -hmm. uh, broiled balsamic vegetables with lemon parsley rice. Yeah. Mediterranean orzo salad. Hoisin tofu bowls. Roasted vegetable burrito. Again, the chili garlic tofu bowls. And, of course, the Mediterranean quesadilla, which we survived off for half a decade. Cool. Yeah, I don't know if <laughs> the Mediterranean quesadillas are on there. I'm not sure about the roasted vegetable burritos. Let me see. That one might not be out there. Oh, we, we make them and freeze them. And oh, it's still there. Okay, cool. Actually, the plan for me is to go. I have to go to Virginia in August. Mm -hmm. And the plan was for me to make those burritos, freeze them in bulk, and bring them down and just eat them over the course of two weeks. Oh, cool. Good idea. <laughs> Solving a production problem. Yeah, there you go. Thanks. All right. Bye. All right. Nice to meet you. Likewise.
thank you for listening to my podcast. If you have a moment, please consider subscribing to the show wherever you listen. And if the app allows for it, please leave a rating and review. That way, the algorithm moves us up in recommendations. It's a great way for new listeners to find our show. Thanks, and I'll see you on the next episode.